Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. It is great to have you in on this Thursday evening. Again, a little bit of an early show today. I uh, got some, you know, some work conflicts. So I'm like, you know what? Let's just let's let's go ahead and start the show a little earlier. Uh, again, I got I got to ref a game tonight at uh. uh a little after, a little after seven o'clock. So, uh, want to get on here, do the show today, and we got a lot to talk about. Going to talk some Dak Prescott. He's looking good at practice, according to CD Lamb. Mike McCarthy and company in Dallas. It still does not look like he is going to start Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles. I'll lead the show with that. Also. Uh, Draymond Green is back at Warriors practice today. He will play in their final preseason game tomorrow. There is no suspension. I'm going to talk about that, what Steve Kerr said, what some of Draymond's teammates said in just a second as well. Also, the, the Russell Westbrook, not just one video, but two videos show unequivocally and obviously he is completely disengaged. He does not want to be a Los Angeles Laker. I'll talk about that, uh, as, as well as the Chiefs beating the Raiders and what it says about Patrick Mahomes. At the end of the show, uh, I'm going to predict what is hyped to be the game of the year. It's the Washington Commanders and the Chicago Bears. I could barely say that with, with a straight face. I apologize for that, and I, I apologize to, to my football-watching friends, to my sports-watching friends out there who um, – we're all going to be subjected to this tonight, and we have to pay for it on Amazon Prime. Thanks a lot, Bezos. All right, anyways, leading the show off with my man, Dak Prescott. So, according to multiple reports from yesterday, he threw passes at the end of practice, threw some to CeeDee Lamb. I'll get to CeeDee's quote in just a second. But Dak Prescott, he's, he's, he's feeling good. Uh, he, told, uh, he told one reporter, he said, I'm antsy, as you know what, to get out there. Uh, but according to Mike McCarthy, he has not been medically cleared, and it looks like Cooper Rush is going to start his fifth consecutive game on Sunday against Philadelphia. Now, also, we just got this news about an hour ago. Dak, for the first time since week one, actually participated in practice. He was limited. He was listed as li a limited participant, but he participated in practice today. Uh, so here's what tells me. First of all, Dak's going to play next week against Detroit. Like that's Dak's gonna be ready to go. He's gonna play next week against the Detroit Lions because if he's if he's looking this good, if Dak feels like he's ready to go out there, if his receivers, which CeeDee Lamb apparently believes that Dak is ready to go out there right now, 
the Dak will absolutely start next week against the Detroit Lions. But CeeDee Lamb was saying about Dak Prescott, he said, quote, physically, he's got his power back. You can feel it in every throw. And so, you know, talking about, you know, Dak's feeling good. Uh, also, this is from uh, today. This is CeeDee Lamb's quote today. He said, I caught passes from him today. I'm waiting for him to get back. Until then, we're going to keep working, keep grinding. He looks healthy. I'm not going to sit here and say definitively whether or not Dak Prescott's ready to play. I, I don't know Dak's body. I don't know how Dak's healing. I know he's, he's progressing in the right direction. I know Dak, obviously, again, players want to play. Dak is the ultimate competitor. Of course, he wants to get back out there and lead a 4-1 team. But here's what I don't like. How this is being portrayed by the media. And we all know, and I'm not going to be brutal on him today. Not going to be brutal on him today. It is Jerry Jones' 80th birthday. It's a big one. 80 is a big one. So I'm not going to be, you know, you know, I'm really critical of Jerry Jones. Not going to be brutal on him on his birthday. So happy birthday to Gerald Wayne Jones. All right. Props. Hope it's a great one. But... It was all fueled by Jerry Jones leading into the week three matchup against the New York Giants. Boy, I'd, uh, I'd walk to New York to, to, get a, uh, to, to get a quarterback controversy to win a football game. It's like, what? A quarterback controversy? Wait a minute. Cooper Rush is your backup. By the way, for five of the seven years that Dak Prescott has been a Dallas Cowboy, Cooper Rush has been his backup. And he, nobody ever talked about a controversy. But the second that goes out, Cooper Rush throws for sub 200 yards a game. But the defense is carrying them to wins. Now it's maybe it's Cooper Rush's job to lose. As a matter of fact, Troy Aikman was talking about this whole situation. And, you know, there's, there's this notion that, hey, the Dallas Cowboys beat the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday, which, by the way, I believe personally, folks, is a very real possibility. The way Dallas' defense is playing as of late, now they're facing for the first time this season a mobile quarterback in Jalen Hurts, which they haven't played all season long. I'll kind of break that down more into detail tomorrow. But this is a new challenge for the Cowboys' defense, but they passed with flying colors through the first five games of the season. If they hold Philadelphia to 17, 20, Cowboys can win this game. The way they can run the football, Right, the way that they can play, uh, you know, ball control, time of possession, the defense, hopefully getting some turnovers, putting them in good field position to to score in the red zone to get field goals. If they're not able to get that far, Brett Mars had a great year. Dallas can absolutely win this this game on Sunday. But the notion, ooh, tell you what, if the Dallas Cowboys, tell you what, if, if they beat the Philadelphia Eagles, woo, Dak Prescott, better look out, because the Ruster, he he's coming. Matter of fact, the Hall of Famer Troy Aikman, and it's hilarious coming from Troy, who I have great respect for, by the way, but it's hilarious coming from Troy, and I'll explain that in just a second, but here's what Troy said. The great Hall of Famer Troy Aikman, he said, quote, if they're winning and they win a big road game against Philadelphia, I could see where there are some pause and you say, well, how exactly do we handle this? And I don't know. So Troy Aikman even is like, hey, you know, if 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 they win, you might, you might want to, I want to hold Dak out, even if Dak is 100% healthy by next week. Going into the Lions game, you may be like, hey, you know, we've we got a better chance to win with Cooper Rush than we do with Dak Prescott. The irony of this coming from Troy is that this exact situation happened to him in 1991. Now, this was early in Troy Aikman's career. Dak's a, a veteran quarterback at this stage, right? He's in his seventh year. This was Troy's third year. And Troy, number one overall pick in 1989, 1991 rolls around. Okay, Troy Aitman gets hurt. 
Steve Berline, who is his backup, comes in, gets on a winning streak, helps the Cowboys get to the playoffs. And by the time the playoffs roll around, by the time the wild card game rolls around, Troy Aikman's healthy. He's ready to go. But Jimmy Johnson says, no, we're going to roll with Steve Berline. And they actually beat Chicago in the playoff game before they went up to Detroit to play Barry Sanders and company. And that was it for the 1991 Dallas Cowboys. Let's just put it that way. They got smoked. And then, of course, they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, Troy's the guy. Jimmy Johnson called Troy afterwards. He said, you're a franchise quarterback. Like, no more BS, no messing around. You're a quarterback. And what happened to the Dallas Cowboys? They won three of the next four Super Bowls, and it was the last time that this franchise was, was relevant in terms of the championship discussion. And so, to hear Troy saying this, it's like, bro, this still bothers you. Watch a football life with Troy Aikman. The, the documentary that the NFL Network does, it still bothers Aikman to this day. And he didn't end up losing his job in the long run, but it still bothers him to this day. Why? He's an athlete. Not only that, he's the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. He's the number one overall pick, which Dak isn't. Yeah, there's a, there's an elevated pride that comes with that. You're like, I'm not getting, I'm not getting replaced. And for a moment there, it was like, hey, maybe Steve Berline's the answer. No, he's not. No, Steve Berline came in the right place at the right time with the right roster with the right coach, and was successful. It was success. But then when you had to rely on him, it all went down the drain. Steve Berline had a solid career, but it all went down the drain against Detroit. Not saying they would have won with Aikman, but Troy Aikman, a Hall of Fame quarterback, would have given them the better opportunity to win that football game. You come in now with Dak Prescott. They're saying, wait, I'll tell you what, Cooper Rush gives a better chance to win. Really? Really? Cooper Rush, who is 23rd in completion percentage. He is 26th in yards per game. And on 20 yards, 20 yard completions, he's 25th. Folks, if Dak were putting up those numbers, we would be all over him. I would be all over him. I'd be like, dude, look, I know the receiving core isn't that good, but come on. It, it's unacceptable. Uh, if, if if you are in a category, if, if they're looking at your stats and the number starts with a two, unless there's no other digit after the two, that, that's not good. Like, if, it, if, it, if you are ranked second, unless it's interceptions, that's good. I mean, th this, is, this is ridiculous. And you know I know that nobody thinks Cooper Rush is better than Dak or gives him a better chance to win? Is that right there? Expectations. We don't expect Cooper Rush to go out there and throw for 300 yards, three touchdowns, and get in shootouts and win. Nor should we. He's a backup quarterback. And by the way, not to sound like I'm you know, bashing Cooper Rush right now, he's playing his role well. I can't criticize what Cooper Rush is doing. He is playing his role well. But Dak plays his role significantly better than that of Cooper Rush. I mean, I want to reiterate again, five of the last seven years, because they're, you know, Cooper Rush became Dak's backup, Dak's second year in the league in 2017, okay? And in 20, uh, sorry, 2019, 2020, one of, the, one of those two years, I think it was 2020, Cooper Rush wasn't there, okay? So there was like a gap in between. Cooper Rush has been Dak's backup five out of seven years. He's never, nobody's even ever discussed him replacing Dak Prescott. It's because he's a backup. There's nothing wrong with that. Cooper Rush gave him a long career in this in this NFL. Okay, look at guys like 
like um, Chase Daniel. Like Chase Daniel's made some money. He's a career backup. Colt McCoy, career backup. There, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, you you make some money, and, and that's that's the to me that is the positive for the Dallas Cowboys being like okay, if Dak goes down, God forbid Dak goes down again, knock on wood for him, we can still stay afloat with Cooper Rush. But with that said, he cannot take us to the next level the way that Dak can. I want to sort of drive the point home. Nobody out there actually thinks Cooper Rush gives them a better shot than Dak, including the Dallas Cowboys. Because he's putting up these numbers. If Dak were putting up these numbers, we'd be all over him. We'd be all over him. We don't expect Cooper Rush to do much. And he's honestly not doing that much, but he's doing a good job in his role. But the fact that this is even a discussion. I mean, folks, if Dak Prescott played, if he put up the numbers that Cooper Rush put up last year, Cowboys would have been a 5 6 win football team because they weren't as good at running the football a year ago as they were this year. They darn sure as good as the defense was really good last year, right? Trayvon Diggs got 11 picks and Micah Parsons, defensive rookie of the year. We know what he brought to the table and still brings to the table. But the defense this year is on a whole nother level. I, I said on Monday's show, if it weren't for the San Francisco 49ers, Cowboys have the best defense in the NFL. I'd take them over Philly, over Buffalo, over anybody. Like that's how well they're playing right now. You actually believe that if Dak were playing the four games that Cooper Rush started. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That they would be 3-2 and two instead of 4-1, and one, or 2-3 and three instead of 4-1? Come on now. Like, the... This this shouldn't even be a discussion, but because it's Dallas, it is. That's the unfortunate aspect of it. Let's see. Barry Grant Jr. says, fourth in QBR, but carry on. Listen, like I said, in his role, he's done a good job. He has played efficient football. And to his credit, by the way, hasn't turned the football over. But again, the way the Cowboys run their offense, run the football first. You watch these defenses. They're not scared of Cooper Rush. You watch defensive schemes. I don't want to get too technical, but watch the defensive schemes against the Cowboys with Rush at quarterback and with Dak at quarterback. It's a whole different ball game. And so, by the way, when Dak is able to come back, when he's able to be reinserted into the lineup, the defenses are going to change, right? They're not going to be loading the box as much. What does that mean? Opens up the running game more. Now, is Kellen Moore... Uh, is Kellen Moore not going to be clueless and recognize that and be like, oh, timeout, okay. They're playing CeeDee Lamb. They're playing, you know, Gallup and Noah Brown. Oh, this is a great opportunity. Dak at the at the line of scrimmage, who's he's excellent at the line of scrimmage. He can check out a pass, be like, oh, okay, timeout. I can just run a simple little draw play with Zeke or with Tony Pollard. The whole offense changes. The whole way you look at your offensive scheme changes on both sides of the football. So again, the fact that this is even a discussion is 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 a disrespect to Dak Prescott, and a disrespect really to the quarterback position as a whole. Like th this is ridiculous. Okay, if Cooper Rush wins on Sunday, which by the way, I'm not so sure Dallas won't be my upset of the week tomorrow. They're six. What are they? Six point underdogs. Six and a half point underdogs. 
I look at the matchups. I kind of like Dallas in this game. He'll be 5-0. and Cool. Teddy Bridgewater did that three years ago in New Orleans. Drew Brees suffered the exact same injury Dak suffered. Thumb injury. Broke his thumb. Teddy Bridgewater stepped in, played his role well, won five straight games, was helped by his defense, his running game. Drew Brees came in. Here we go. Thank you, Teddy Bridgewater, for allowing us to stay afloat, not letting our season go down the drains, and we're good. So, yeah, this is this shouldn't even be a discussion. But, you know, again, it's, it's Dallas. If this were in, I don't know, Minnesota, Say Dak was the quarterback of Minnesota, got hurt first game. Cooper Rush went in, won either four or five uh, starts in a row. Dak would come right back the next week as soon as he was healthy. But, you know, it, it, it's America's team. And with America's team comes, you know, big stories and headlines. And you know how it works. You know how it works. But even hearing CeeDee Lamb talk, it's like, like Dak's ready to go. And Mike McCarthy has been very vocal. When he's healthy, which as of right now, he has not been medically cleared by the doctors in Dallas. When he's ready to go, number four is back back in the saddle. Dak in the saddle, as some people say. So that's how it's going to be. All right, moving on now to the NBA. We actually got a couple NBA topics today, one involving the defending Golden I'm sorry, defending NBA champion Golden State Warriors, and another involving the 33-win team in Los Angeles last year, that being the Lakers. I'll save that for the uh, few segments from now. But obviously the biggest story in the NBA, without a shadow of a doubt, over the last week has been the whole Draymond Green incident. Okay, We had heard on Thursday there was an, there was an altercation between he and Jordan Poole in practice. Some bozo leaked it to TMZ a day later, made, made him or herself or whoever it was a little bit of money. And so that's, yeah, that, that's the video sort of changed the whole dynamic of how a lot of people have looked at this. And Steve Kerr came out on Tuesday after the Warriors preseason game against the Portland Trailblazers, and he announced Draymond is not getting suspended for the regular season. As a matter of fact, he would be back on Thursday, today, and he would play in the preseason game on Friday, tomorrow. So Draymond is back at practice in Golden State at training camp. He's going to play a preseason game tomorrow. And then once the regular season begins on Tuesday against the Lakers, Draymond will be ready to go. But, you know, I, I've, I've heard over the past few days, oh, you got to get rid of Draymond. You, you, you got to get rid of Draymond. He's, he's more trouble than he's worth. You can't, can't have that guy in the locker room. Really. Because, again, like I said on, on Thursday and Friday of last week, not only is this normal for the NBA, but this is kind of what comes with the package for Draymond. Doesn't excuse it. I don't like Draymond punching Jordan Poole in practice. Matter of fact, I don't like it at all. I'd prefer him not do it. But the fact of the matter is, this is normal. And there was some reports in the media saying, oh, I'll tell you what, the veteran players, your Currys, your Iguodalas, your Thompsons, they're going to side with Draymond because he's a vet. He's won championships with them. And then the young guys, guys like uh, Wiseman and and um, uh, Looney. Well, Looney's not that young anymore, but uh, Kaminga. They're going to side with Jordan Poole. And actually, that's it's not been the case at all. Moses Moody, second year in the NBA, he's he's pretty young, right? He knows Jordan Poole and Draymond Green. And Moses Moody said yesterday, "Man, I can't wait to have our OG back. Can't wait to have our OG back. Can't wait to have Draymond back, right?" And there's also been reports coming from, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Mark Spears. Uh, uh, Mark J. Spears, who's, who's been all over the story, he's done a great job. 
He says that Steph Curry, the leader of the Golden State Warriors, of course, has organized meetings between Draymond, between Poole. They have spoken on numerous occasions. They have been able to clear the air. Now, this is going to be a healing process. This isn't going to get healed this weekend. Probably won't even get healed this month. But if there were ever an organization in the NBA that could handle this, it's Golden State. Controversy is not new to the Warriors. Okay, we, we know about the highs and the lows. I mean, folks, this team with this core group of guys three years ago had the worst record in the NBA. Last year, they just won the championship. They've seen everything. As Steve Kerr pointed out, however, on Tuesday, Steve Kerr said, do I have it here? I do not. Okay, but Steve Kerr said on Tuesday, this is the biggest crisis that we've had here since I've been the head coach. Which makes me believe, okay, there's something deeper than just the punch or the fact that it got leaked out. There's something else going on that we are not aware of. But at the end of the day, this Golden State team, with this core, with those young players, with that front office, with that coach, there is no organization in basketball more equipped to deal with a situation than this group is. First of all, this isn't the first Draymond Green altercation we've had. As a matter of fact, speaking of Draymond and Steve Kerr, they literally almost went fist to cuffs about six and a half years ago. You see, you see that uh, see that picture behind me of, uh, sorry for the podcast audience, of Steph Curry hitting that iconic shot to beat Oklahoma City. In halftime of that game, Kerr and Draymond were, I mean, this close to like fighting, mostly instigated by Draymond, of course. Steve Kerr ain't out here, you know, you know slugging players, but it was close. Like it, it was kind of a back and forth situation. We everybody knows because it happened in front of our, our eyes on, on TV. Camera showed it of the whole Draymond and KD back and forth, getting each other's faces, and Draymond's calling the B word and and he's not passed the ball to KD. We know how that went. As a matter of fact, Draymond got suspended for that game. But what what surprises me is the, the just the reaction by the media just being appalled. Oh, this is the end of the Warriors. This, this, this is what ends the dynasty. I'm like, okay, so, so yeah, losing Kevin Durant, losing Clay Thompson for, for two and a half years, um, dealing with salary cap issues, um, you know, missing the playoffs two straight years, and none of that ended the Warriors dynasty. You're telling me this is when you have Steph Curry getting Draymond and Poole together, when you have numerous reports saying, hey, Draymond, Poole, they've had a lot of conversations with one another. Kavon Looney has been instrumental reportedly as well. Kavon Looney stepping in. You know, say, you know, cooler heads prevail. You know, Kavon Looney, for those of you who don't know, he is a quiet, quiet guy. So when he speaks, everybody in that locker room listens. He's, you know, helping the situation out. Andre Godala, veteran, he's seen it all. This is 19th year in the NBA, he's seen everything. He's also involved with this. Steve Kerr obviously is involved with this. Bob Myers. That's the reality of the situation. When you have guys who have been to, and I don't like to use this word in sports a lot because it's, it's, it's too literal as opposed to the real world, but uh, when it comes to real world, but when you have guys who have been to quote-unquote war together, who have been through it together, who've won and lost and been on the mountaintop and been in the valley, this is the group that you want to handle this. This is the front office and the coach and the leaders on this team that you want to handle this. So when people are like, oh, does this impact Golden State's chances of repeating? Not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. 
Okay, because am I more worried about a Draymond Green altercation that we, you know, we saw the video, it went public, that, you know, we got a situation where Steph's getting involved and everybody's getting involved to try and, you know, all the cooler heads are, are hopefully trying to prevail here. Am I more concerned about that or the injury and chemistry issues with the Clippers or the youth of the Grizzlies or the chemistry issues in Phoenix with one of the players and the head coach? Or, say, in Denver with guys coming back fresh off injury. I got a lot more questions with those. I've never seen some of those teams win a championship. I've seen this team do it four times in eight years. And they've been through a lot worse than just this alone. So I am not concerned whatsoever in the long run about my Golden State Warriors. Uh, let's see. Uh, back to the Cowboys topic. My man Philip Chanel's in the comments. He said, uh, "He said that's valid, but he is a game manager. You're telling me that Cooper Rush can make the Cowboys better than Dak? No, I, I, I never said that. I, I, I never, no, no. Cooper Rush cannot make the Cowboys better than Dak. Uh, Dak's got a better arm. He's more accurate. Moves better in the pocket. Is more efficient. Is is did I mention more accurate? Uh, I'm not going to say he's better leader because I think Cooper Rush, in his own right, is a solid leader. Dak though is the heartbeat of that franchise. So you know, Dak's going to do his thing. We know what he he brings to the table well, on that front." But again, as far as Golden State, I'm not worried of the slightest. And the reports are that part of the reason they did not suspend Draymond Green is because ring night on Tuesday. They can't have Draymond Green miss ring night. The guy gives bling. Just like everybody else. He's got to be in the building to get his ring because, of course, we know how huge he was contributing to that championship team last year. So when you talk about his impact on both sides of the floor, Controlling the tempo and the pace offensively. Defensively, he was, people forget this. People talking about Draymond's washed. Yeah, he's so washed that last year until he got hurt, he was the front runner to win defensive player of the year by a wide margin. As a matter of fact, those Golden State Warriors, last year's Warriors before Draymond's injury. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're the best defensive team in 15 years. Statistically. Draymond had a little bit of input on that. A little bit of little bit of impact on, on that. So again, when and people talk about oh, Mr. Triple Single, his job is not to score. His job is not to be, you know, Andre Drummond and grab 15 rebounds a game, although he may have to do that a certain night. His job isn't to be Rondo and dish 15 assists a game. His job is to do what is asked of him. We know he's not a score. Doesn't have to be. Steph's a score. So is Clay. So is Wiggins. So is Poole. That's their job. Looney with the offensive rebound putbacks. His job is leadership, control the tempo offensively. We know the chemistry he has with Steph and Clay. And defensively, he can guard any player, one to five, one through five. He can guard Nikola Jokic or he can guard uh, Kyrie Irving. Of course, I don't know if anybody can guard Kyrie Irving with those handles, but he can take him one-on-one, -on -one, though. Like he is, he has been Simmons, but less athletic, but cares more. That, that's that's Draymond Green. That's the role he plays. Uh, 
<laughs> uh, Phillips said, no, nah, I was just letting Barry know. I appreciate that, Philly. You, you got to let Barry know about Cooper Rush. I got to let Barry know about Cooper Rush. And let not just Barry, just everybody out there who thinks Cooper Rush is, gives the Cowboys a better shot to win than Dak Prescott. I mean, again, at the end of the day, if you are cool with uh, 25th in completion percentage, okay, when, when you, I'm sorry, 23rd in completion percentage, 26th in yards per game, and 25th in 20 yard completions, if you think that is an upgrade, oh, for, I mean, you're acting like he's, he's, you're acting like Dak's Nathan Peterman or, or something. Okay. You know why there's a quarterback controversy in New England with Bailey Zappi? Because Mac Jones is average. Okay. And they're not paying him that much for the, for the record. And Mac Jones is an average quarterback. Do I think Bailey Zappi today is better than Mac? Not really. I really, I really don't. But there's a controversy because the gap is not very big. The gap between Dak and Rush. Is massive. Keep in mind, one last stat for Dak Prescott. I know we're sort of backtracking. I'll, I'll get to um, I'll get to my Chiefs Raiders topic in just a second. But since the bye week, okay, since the bye week in 2018, Dak Prescott since the bye week in 2018, the Cowboys rank in the NFL second in points, first in yards, first in passing yards, fifth in plays per turnover, second in completion percentage, fifth in interception percentage. Fourth in passer rating, fifth in point differential. You take Rush over that? Okay. Okay. That's that's your decision. But I will reiterate, this would not have even been a story without the birthday boy. Today's birthday boy, Mr. Gerald Wayne Jones. So, can you imagine, by the way, just think about Jerry Jones. What would, what's Jerry Jones' 80th birthday party like? Like that's, because we know. We know the old saying that everything's big in Texas. There is no greater example of that than the Jones family. From Jerry World to the Star Practice Facility. I mean, I don't know what Jerry's house looks like. I know I heard DeMarcus Ware, the former Cowboy great DeMarcus Ware. He was doing an interview a couple of years ago. And I think he was doing it with Rich Eisen, my man Rich Eisen. And Rich asked DeMarcus Ware, he said, have you been to Jerry's house? <laughs> DeMarcus Ware said, yeah, I've, I've been there a couple of times. And Rich said, you know, what's, what's it like? He said, it's, it's about what you would expect from Jerry. So I'm just only going to assume, obviously massive. He's worth $15 billion. It's, it's, it's a big house. But uh, I, I can only, you know, I can only imagine it's like a miniature model in terms of design to AT&T Stadium. Like that's, that's kind of what comes to my head. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm reaching, but I know Jerry Jones is going to, you know, have a good time with family, loved ones, and certainly we do wish him the very, very best on his 80th birthday today. I saw Stephen A. Smith this morning, who's, who's friends with Jerry Jones, have a, a cool little tribute within his uh, southern accent, which could use some work, I must say. Stephen A., you're, you're the bomb, but that southern accent, it, it, could, it could use some practice. Uh, but moving on now, sticking or going back to the NFL, I should say, to the Monday night game, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, I almost said Oakland Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders. Before I even get to the game, I will address the obvious. <laughs> the roughing the passer. Um, I, mean, I don't even know what you want me to say. Like, Am I supposed to come out with the crazy controversial take, say it was a good call, or state the completely obvious and say, that's the worst roughing the passer call I've ever seen in my life? Like, I think the debate should really be, what's the worst call, that or the tuck rule? Like, that to me is a discussion. Was the Chris Jones roughing the passer worse than the tuck rule? In terms of 
impact? No, because the tuck rule came in the fourth quarter of a playoff game. Like, in terms of impact, that's different. But I'm talking about just the call itself, what was worse. I mean, it's, it's a real discussion. Because if you haven't seen the play, Chris Jones not only sacks Derek Carr, he's bringing Derek Carr to the ground, takes the ball out of the quarterback's hands. So by the time Derek Carr hits the turf, Chris Jones has the ball tucked in his arm. Like he's a running back, basically. He's got it tucked in like a running back. Uses his other hand to break his fall. And they call a penalty on Chris Jones. And I must say, I don't think I've ever heard booing. Not that I've heard loud, louder booing. Not longer duration of booing. Like Kansas City fans at Arrowhead, I can't say I blame them, booed the entirety of the rest of that first half, which there was about a minute and a half, half left when the penalty occurred, and it actually ended up giving the Raiders three points because they ended up getting a field goal out of that drive. Derek Carr himself even said after the game, like, uh, yeah, that, was, that wasn't a good call. Like, he even told Chris Jones after the game, like, yeah, they, they that, was, that was terrible. They missed that one. But here's what I would say, like, in the long-term picture, because there's a lot of speculation. Oh, is this, does this have anything to do with the Tua situation? And my reaction is, we have to look at what the con- we're mixing controversies. The controversy of Tua isn't how he got hurt. It isn't oh a dirty hit by a defensive player, or a late hit. No, it was a, just a, it was a typical sack. Tua is a smaller guy. He kind of got thrown to the ground by the defensive lineman. The controversy with Tua is dude shouldn't have even been out there. That's that is what we are discussing. That is why the NFL changed its concussion protocol. This had nothing, roughing the passer was never even discussed with Tua. And so now I feel like we're overcorrecting with the call on Tom Brady being sacked by Grady Jarrett, and they called that roughing the passer. And now with Chris Jones sacking Derek Carr, and actually not, actually taking the ball to Derek Carr's hands, that should have been Chiefs' ball. And they call roughing the passer on him. To me, it feels like a major, major overcorrection by the NFL refs. You, you know me, I, I'm one who, crap, I am a ref now. Uh, in a much, much smaller sense. But I've always defended officials in terms of, like, fans be like, oh, the officials cost the game. It's like, no, you you, you made this mistake in the third quarter, even the fourth quarter that cost you the game. Okay, bad calls come with the territory. The refs are going to miss calls. That is baked into the in, into a game, whatever sport you're in. But that, that's unacceptable. Like, the, there are certain calls you absolutely cannot miss. That actually not just that one, but the one on Sunday between Tampa and Atlanta. I mean, there's no defense for it. And the refs tried to uh, go. Is it Carl Shepherds? I think was the head official. Uh, was was you know def- trying to defend himself and defend the call after the game. But it just 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 take this one to the chin, man. You 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 missed that one. Like it's, there is nothing wrong in this world. And I say this all the time because I have to do it on my show sometimes. Did it last week with Russell Wilson, folks. I was dead. I was wrong by Russell Wilson. He's, he's kind of a fraud. You, you have to come on. I got to come on the show and admit sometimes I'm wrong. There's nothing wrong in this world with having an opinion or or doing something and then going back like, yeah, that, yeah, I was I was in the wrong there. I I messed that one up. There's, not, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Barry says, bro, 100%, we are overcorrecting. Nobody cares about Naheem Hines. Exactly. You don't see them changing how backs or receivers are getting hit. NFL, here we go. NFL sometimes are so clueless, it's embarrassing. That's that's the thing. And you, and you brought up the Heinz hit. And, and for those of you that didn't see the last week's Thursday night game, and knock on wood, today's Thursday, hopefully there's no serious concussions or any concussions for that matter today. But uh, Heinz, the running back for the Colts, got hit. 
and was very, very woozy getting up. He, his legs kind of buckled, and offensive linemen had to hold him up just to keep him upright. And so, and that's why I've always said, that's why, to Barry, to everybody listening, that's why I've always said, anytime a running back holds out, I don't care if the dude has three years left in his contract. I do not blame them in the slightest because running backs get one contract. Quarterbacks get three. So if you're Tom Brady, you know, four big contracts. Receivers could get a couple if they if if their prime lasts an extended period of time. Okay. If you're a if you're a great linebacker, if you're a great pass rusher, a great left tackle, you're gonna get a couple big contracts. Running back, you get one. Because it, it is the only unprotected position in the NFL. You you can hit the running back however you want. As long as you don't grab him by the face mask, you can do whatever you want to the running back. And so, yeah, anytime a running back's ever held out and people are like, oh, man, he's he's got three years left. Con-. I'm like, I don't care. I, I don't blame him. Get, it, get your money because get it now while you can. Get it now while you can because you only get one of them. But as far as the game itself, and I, I had Kansas City blowing out Vegas simply because that's kind of been their history since Patrick Mahomes became the quarterback in 2018. They have, they have typically dominated the Raiders. Mahomes has only lost one game to them. And in all of the games against them, even in, in that loss, he's been absolutely unbelievable. I, I gave you his numbers in matchups against the Raiders. And of course, Monday night, he was spectacular once again. Third for 292, four TDs, had a QBR of 61, had a pass rating of 117. He did not turn the football over. Uh, by the way, Travis Kelsey uh, caught all four of those touchdown passes. Uh, it's, it's weird. I, I don't think I've ever seen a game where a receiver, much less a tight end, catches four touchdown passes and has 25 yards receiving. So Travis Kelsey did his damage in the red zone, inside the 10-yard line, and things of that nature. But what that game told me, it kind of reinforced something, but I really was starting to think about it about late third quarter, early fourth. This doesn't change that Tom Brady is the GOAT, because he is. There's no debate about that. There is no quarterback in NFL history that I will want to lead by double digits against than Patrick Mahomes. Because the Raiders go up 17-0. They are rolling. Kansas City can't get anything going offensively. Derek Carr's hitting Devontae Adams over the top on fourth and one. The Raiders are running the football down Kansas City's throat. Josh Jacobs is, is, is punishing guys of a secondary. There was never one point, one moment in that game where I thought Kansas City was going to lose. There's never one, one point where I was like, oh, man, they, they may actually. That's why, because a lot of people criticize the Raiders late in the game. Okay, because Kansas City is up 30 to 23 with four minutes left. Okay, Derek Carr hits Devontae Adams on a long ball. So that makes it 30 to 29. It's about four minutes left. And the Raiders elect to go for two and go for the lead as opposed to going ahead and tying it with the extra point. And I tweeted immediately, I said, I'm I'm fine with this call. I'm because Mahomes is gonna go down the field on you. He's gonna go straight down the field, do what he does. Put the Chiefs in position to score a touch. I'm sorry, to kick a field goal to win the game. You might as well be in the lead. You might as well be in a situation where the kick determines the game, not the kick determines who goes to overtime or if Kansas City wins it in the end. Like at the end of the day, you want to trust, you know, you want to trust Derek Carr more than you're to trust your defense. And the Raiders were not able to convert. But as far as the call itself, going for two. If Mahomes is going to go right down the field on me, I might as well have the lead. Because I don't trust my defense whatsoever in a tie game. 
So, and, and again, strategies change had the Raiders gotten that. Strategies change because the Raiders didn't get the two. And so, like, it, it's just, again, I always go back to this. It is one of the most, it's, it's one of the craziest. It is Ripley's Believe It or Not. It's crazy to me. A couple years ago, three years ago, sorry, in the playoffs when Kansas, the year Kansas City won the Super Bowl, their first playoff game against Houston Texans. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They trail 24 to nothing. Now, that in itself is a pretty, a seemingly insurmountable deficit. Now it's the Houston Texans. It's Bill O'Brien, so anything's possible. But point is, you're down 24 nothing. That's tough. It's, I mean, it's been done before numerous times, but it's still tough. There's 10 minutes left in the second quarter when the score is what it is. Kansas City went into halftime with the lead. Yeah. 24 nothing. 10 minutes left in the first half. Kansas City went into the locker room with the lead. At that point, we were all like, okay, this is over. Like, this is just stupid. This is Madden right here. This is having Madden on rookie mode playing against your seven-year-old younger brother. Like, this is not even fair. There is no quarterback that I would at least, tra- uh, I'm sorry, lead by 10 or more points than Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs offense. Because it is blink of an eye. How quickly did they make that comeback against the Raiders? I mean, we blinked like, okay, Kansas City's in front of the third quarter. That didn't take long. When you talk about his playmaking ability, his accuracy, the velocity in which he throws the football, his arm. Okay, by the way, his leadership. Something I noticed too about Patrick Mahomes that I love. It is Brady-esque. It is, dare I say, Jordan-esque. What I see in Patrick Mahomes. When he's trailing by 17 points, his facial expression don't change. He, he's going to play the same way. He is going to be Patrick freaking Mahomes. He's not going to get tight like Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to, you know, force the football like a Matthew Stafford into places it shouldn't be. He's like, okay, cool. Listen, we're down 17. It's first half. We can still win this game. He exudes confidence in his teammates, in that offense. Obviously, you can't discount the fact that he does have Andy Reid as a play caller, but... Time and time again, this dude has made a living off this. This is why this guy is on a 10-year, $450 million contract. This is why. Because of what he can do. Every There's no lead safe with this guy. None. With his ability to throw the football, uh, any angle, his playmaking ability in the red zone especially, uh, we all saw that touchdown against the Chargers in Week 2 uh, to Edwards-Alaire, and we saw the even crazier play, in my opinion, also to Edwards-Alaire from the one-yard line against Tampa a couple weeks back. Well, what, what this guy can do week to week to week is remarkable. It's, it's incredible. And that's, to me, Mahomes and Allen, Josh Allen, who faced this weekend, it's the game of the weekend, can't, cannot wait to watch that. But there's this debate, okay, who's the better quarterback? Is it Allen or is it Mahomes? And to, to me, it is a debate between those two for who's the best quarterback in the NFL. I'm taking those two over every single guy we have in the league. Every single one. But... 
What scares me more, if I'm a defensive coordinator, what scares me more about Patrick as opposed to Allen? Patrick has made a history off winning close games. Josh Allen, the Bills, they struggle in close games. Now, they did win a couple weeks ago against Baltimore by three. That was a big one. It's their first win by one score since 2020. But this is, this is what is so great about Mahomes and the Chiefs. He is a mix. He is Rodgers' talent mixed with Brady's clutch gene, poise, and leadership. And you combine those, that is a scary sight for the rest of the NFL. Not like we're shocked by this. I mean, if you told me, you know, going into the Monday or after, or yeah, before Monday's game, yeah, Mahomes is going to trail by 17 and win by, well, he only won by a point, but win the game. Yeah, yeah, I, I, could, I could see that. That doesn't shock me. If you told me, hey, Matt Stafford trailed by 17 and one, I'd be like, what? If you told me Matt Stafford won the game in a game when he drive, I'd be like, okay, yeah, he's got a history of that. He don't have a history of coming back like that. You know, Rodgers, he, he don't have a history of coming back from three scores down. A lot of these quarterbacks don't. Mahomes does it seemingly every other week. He's phenomenal. He is truly he's special. Love watching this guy play. Love it. And, and something else, too, about the Chiefs before I move on to my Lakers topic with Westbrook. What I admire about the Chiefs, they remind me, gosh, they remind me so much of my Golden State Warriors. They're not the dynasty yet. Let's make that very clear. We're the dynasty. They're not there yet, although they certainly have a chance. If you have that guy at quarterback and that guy at coach, you got a chance to win, win the Super Bowl every year. But there's still this notion there's always one better than Kansas City. Whether it's quarterback, whether it's team in the division, everybody loved the Chargers. Chargers are going to beat the Chiefs for the division. It's like, you, you do know this team has, won the, has got to the AFC Championship game four straight years, right? You do know who that quarterback is, right? You, that coach and that roster and that defensive coordinator. And you do realize who the Chiefs are, right? This isn't just some one-hit wonder type of deal. No, this, this team's going to be around for a while. And year after year, oh, this team's supplanted them. This team's supplanted them. And they just keep on rolling. They keep on winning the games. They keep on coming back from double digits down. That's what they do. They keep on dominating the AFC West. And here I thought the Broncos were going to win the division in 2022. Man, that was stupid. That was that was just stupid. All right, moving to the NBA. Moving back to the NBA. <laughs> the saga that won't end. Russell Westbrook and the Lakers. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just going to go and play the video. I apologize for the podcast audience. Those of you listening, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we do appreciate you listening, but I'm sorry that you can't see this. Um, so... The Lakers played a preseason game last night at the Crypto.com Arena. Should still be Staples Center. Point is, they played a game last night, preseason game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And before the game even tipped off, we saw once again, oh, Russell's disengaged. He's out. So here you go. I'm going to narrate it for you. So here you go. Here's the Lakers. They're doing their starting lineups. They got the team huddle pregame. Okay, so you see somebody in the back. And there's Russell Westbrook on the bench. Russell Westbrook, he's, he's, you know, wiping his head off with a towel. He's, he's getting ready, you know, tightening his shorts or whatever. There's the team. There's Westbrook. Uh, they're not together. Westbrook is completely absent by himself. And here's the one everybody's talking about. Patrick Beverly, he's coming in after Westbrook blew a defensive assignment. Hey, team meeting, huddle up, huddle up. Hey, Westbrook, hey, hey Russell, Russell, could you? Russell, no. Anthony Davis tries to tries to come over there like say, hey, hey, bro, 
and Russell's not even looking at Anthony Davis. He's not. He's completely ignoring him. Uh, I'll, I'll play it one more time. But this just goes to show you once again, Russell does not want to be in L.A. and is my biggest criticism of Westbrook has always been. He has never been a winning basketball player. He was at one point great. He did win an MVP in 2017. He's made the All-Star games. He's gotten the, the, the triple doubles. But he's a winning basketball player. Patrick Beverly, and I'm not a big Pat Bev fan. I'm going to be first to admit to you right now, I'm not a big Pat Bev fan, never have been. But, I mean, I do respect his grind getting in the league, though, without a question. But Patrick Beverly, he's getting there. He's been the playoffs. He's been in the Western Conference Finals. He understands he's been around winning basketball. LeBron James certainly has been around winning basketball. Anthony Davis was a huge part in the Lakers winning a championship in 2020. So Pat Bev's like, hey, you know, Westbrook blows a defensive assignment, fouls a guy, gets the M1. And before the free throw, before Minnesota's free throw, he's like, okay, let's, let's get in here. And Pat Bev's like, hey, Russ, Russ, come in. He's like, you see him, he's motion. Like, Russ, come on, come on over here. Ru Russell doesn't go over there to the team huddle. And then before the game, he's completely distant from his teammates during the starting lineups. This has always been my issue with him. He don't care about winning. He don't care about becoming a better basketball player in terms of whatever the scheme that his team wants to run. He doesn't care about being coachable. I mean, it's I don't think it's any shock to anybody that some of Russell's greatest success came with Scott Brooks as the head coach. Why is that? Because Scott Brooks, he's not going to get in your business. He's not a Billy Donovan. He's not a Darvin Ham in this instance. He's not going to get in anybody's business. He's going to he's going to let Russ be Russ. He's going to get his triple doubles. We he's going to turn the ball over. He's going to he's going to airball shots. He's going to have a, a just horrible shooting percentage. But let Russ be Russ. Don't don't get in his way. Don't piss him off. Walk on eggshells for him. And that's where Russ is often at his greatest success. Just don't don't make him mad. Don't try and correct him on something. And this is why I thought. That by this point, by October 13th, Russell would not be an L.A. Laker. That's what I thought. I was wrong on that, on, on that front. It is what it is. But I will, however, say if this is, if this is how it's going to be, and the Lakers have been sending clear signs all offseason, okay? LeBron and Westbrook attend a summer league game in Las Vegas. They sit on opposite ends of the court. LeBron, during like breaks in the game, he's there's other NBA players there. He's fraternizing with the other NBA players. Hey, how you doing? How's the family? What's up, Doc? He never goes to Westbrook. The Lakers sign Dennis Schroeder. They bring Dennis Schroeder back, who they literally replace West, uh, Schroeder with Westbrook. And then they bring Schroeder back. And then the biggest one of all, <laughs> there is no bigger player rivalry in the, in the NBA than Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly. And who do the Lakers sign? They sign Patrick Beverly. After their history. Lakers have made all the clear signs. We don't want you here. But teams aren't going to take him. Now, if I'm a team, I'm not taking him. Even if I'm tanking. Even if I'm trying to sell tickets. I'm not taking him. What, I'm just paying $47 million for, what, 30 wins? No, I'm not, I'm not doing that. So, for the Lakers, this is once again another instance of just, uh, of, of Russell Westbrook being completely disengaged in his own world, you know, tunnel vision, not focused on anybody except for what he's doing. He's going to play his way, come hell or high water. Nobody 
is going to change that. That's why I said on this show a year ago before last season, everybody's saying, oh, LeBron's going to change. You know, Russell's he's a flawed basketball player. LeBron's going to change him. I'm like, he ain't listening to LeBron. <laughs> he's not listening to LeBron James. I don't care if he's LeBron James. He's not listening. And LeBron, you could see in his body language a, 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 about two months into the year, three months into the year, he's like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah there's nothing I can do to help this dude. He's, he's just going to do what he does. And so, you know, was I surprised when I saw this video? No, I was not surprised whatsoever because this is who Russ is. This is who he's always been. And, and the fact of the matter is the Lakers made a massive mistake. Like I said, they did the day that they made the trade a year and four months ago. When they, I'm sorry, a year, a year and three months ago when they acquired Russ. I said, this is a bad move basketball-wise. It's a bad move for the locker room. It hurts your, your cap situation. And here the Lakers sit, just crossing their fingers and just hoping and praying that they can somehow find a way to get this guy off their roster. He he is, he, you know who Russell Westbrook is? He is the guy who walks into a room. Everybody's having a good time. He's the guy who walks in the room and just kills the vibe. Just walks in and the mood goes down. Like, oh boy, here's here's this, this guy. Whether that person's uh, you know, maybe he or she, maybe they're a know-it-all, maybe they're uh just just kind of a negative person. That's Russell Westbrook. He walks in and everybody's like, oh yeah, here we go. I mean, that's what we saw in public. That that happened in front of thousands of people watching at the Staples Center and hundreds of thousands of people watching on social media. How do you think it is behind closed doors at practice or in the locker room? How do you think it is interacting with this guy? I tried to warn y'all. I tried to warn Lakers organization, the Lakers fans. This is probably the worst move you could have ever made for your franchise, and you still did it. And now you are paying dearly for making that decision. But right now, and I'm I'm gonna hopefully do an NBA show sometime in the future, uh, in in the next few days before the season starts. But uh, before I even get to my NFL predictions, man, it's it's been a pretty eventful. Postseason in Major League Baseball. We got a game going on right now. Okay, Astros lead the Mariners 3 2 uh, in the top of the seventh inning. Uh, again, obviously, it's, it's game two, so it's in Houston. Astros have home field advantage. Uh, Guardians and Yankees game two is supposed to be tonight, but because of rain, because of some weather issues, they're postponing it to tomorrow. But uh, the game the other night was it was it last night? No, I'm so yeah, it was the other night. It was Tuesday night when uh, the, the Jordan Alvarez walk off shot. I mean, that was wow. Okay, the Astros rally. They're, I think they're down 7-2. Was it 7-2? Or, or, yeah, they, I think it was 7-2, if I'm not mistaken, going to the eighth inning, and they rallied to win the game 8-7 with two outs, by the way. Two outs, and Jordan Alvarez hits the walk-off shot uh, into, into right field to, to win it for the Astros and put them up 1-0. A devastating loss for the Mariners, especially after the damage that they did on Justin Verlander, who's probably going to be the AL Cy Young Award winner yet again this year. The damage that they did, you know, did to him, and they still were not able to win that uh, that baseball game. That is tough. And and again, they're down three two right now. We'll see if they can make a rally. Uh, also, in the game I was really paying attention to last night was that Padres Dodgers game, which part of the reason I had the Dodgers sweeping the Padres is because they've kind of been the Padres Padre, if you know what I mean. They've owned the Padres for the better part of the last two years. Because in 2020 they swept San Diego, dating back to last year they won like. A certain amount of games out of a certain amount of games. I mean, they've just been dominating San Diego. 
And last night, you Darvish, you doing what he did similar to game one of that series against the Mets, threw another gem. He was excellent. Clayton Kershaw got beat up early by Manny Machado and company, and San Diego pulled away five to three. Uh, there was, of course, the uh, I saw the, the the goose, the goose that showed up in center field, wanted to get wanted to get itself some screen time. I can't say I blame it. You know, we all want to be on TV, but that that was a fascinating game as well. But uh, only postseason game is going on right now, and it's between Seattle and Houston. Houston leads three two in the top of the seventh, and of course they lead the series, a best of five series. One nothing. So Mariners trying not to go down 2-0 before the series shifts to the Pacific Northwest. So we'll have, in that case, we'll have three games tomorrow. We'll have Guardians-Yankees, Braves-Phillies, and Dodgers-Padres. Guardians-Yankees is game two. Uh, the Braves series and the Dodgers series, those are both game threes. Uh, both instances of the series are tied 1-1. So definitely want to pay attention to that. All right. So we got a game tonight. I'll tell you. It's an exciting one. I want you to hang on to your seats right now. I want to – matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and play my drum roll soundbite uh, for the show if I can find it. Where is my – there's the drum roll. I'm going to play the drum roll for this. we got a big game tonight. Tonight's game features the Washington Commanders and the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I hear the crickets too. It's kind of a crappy game, but not gonna be. I'm not gonna discriminate against this game. I'm gonna predict. I predict all the games, all 272, and that's not gonna change tonight just because it's a crappy Thursday night game. I mean, how does how does Jeff Bezos in the NFL come to an agreement, 11 million dollar deal, and these are the games we're getting after last week. I mean, after last week, I think RG3, Robert Griffin III, he tweeted after that. I mean, dud is, is, is if that game was a dud last week, it would have been a great game. <laughs> That's how bad it was. It was awful. This is one of the worst football games I've ever watched. It was 12-9. to 9. There was no touchdowns. Russell Wilson played awful. Matt Ryan played awful. It was a shame there had to be a winner. The Colts won the game. But the fact that we had that last week, <laughs> and now we got a game this week between a team who doesn't like, yeah, let's go and get the background music. A team with a coach who doesn't even like his quarterback and said as much on Monday. And then the Bears, whose receivers have as many catches as a unit as Cooper Cup does by himself with 49. Ugh. Washington's favored, minus one in this game on the road. Here's what I'm looking at, okay? The Bears' offense, which has struggled mightily this season. Just a few days ago, they headed up to Minnesota. Justin Fields played well. The Mims, that Mims kid, made a the second best catch I've seen this year, only second to George Pickens in Pittsburgh. But the second best catch I've seen all year, he pulled an Odell, he one-handed it, you know, over the defender's head. But the Bears ended up falling short in that game. But at least in that game, their offense looked competent. It looked serviceable. And so that's that's what I'm looking at for the Chicago Bears. Can they transfer that offense? Can that offense from Minnesota travel back home with them to Chicago against a Washington defense, a Washington secondary especially, that has been bad. I mean, it's, it has flat out been awful this season. Something else I'm looking at as well, okay? Chicago, 
has a really good pass rush. Okay, Robert Quinn is an excellent, excellent pass rusher. He had double-digit sacks a year ago. He's playing solid this year. Washington very well may have the worst offensive line in the league. If I'm not mistaken, I think uh, Carson Wentz has been sacked more than any quarterback in the NFL this season. And we know Washington may be favored, but sports, football, any sport, it's about matchups. And where Washington struggles badly, we know today, I think we know, I'm not certain about it, somewhat, we think, Carson Wentz today is probably a better quarterback than Justin Fields. Although with his decision-making, he's making it as, as difficult a decision as it can be in that regard. We saw his interception at the end of the game against Tennessee. But in terms of the secondary for Chicago, which has had its moments, the pass rush, which has had its moments, as opposed to Washington, whose weakest unit on the football team is the offensive line, the second weakest unit is the secondary, I think this is kind of an ugly game. I'm going to take the Chicago Bears to win tonight 23-20 to over the Washington Commanders. They will go to 3-3 three and three Washington, probably in line for, for that number one pick along with the Carolina Panthers. They'll drop to 1-5 and five and we'll already be discussing their next coach, although I do love Ron Rivera, and their next quarterback. Is it Bryce Young? Is it CJ Stroud? Is it Will Levis? Is it my man? I hope he doesn't end up here. Man, I, I do not wish. I do not wish Washington on my man Hendon Hooker. But you never know. It's possible. Chicago wins this game. Hopefully it's not as miserable as we think it'll be. Chicago will win this game 23 to 20 over the Washington Commanders. So that is all we have for today's show. Of course, tomorrow I will, I guess I'll react to tonight's game. Yeah, you know what? It's it is all a matter. I'm gonna go like Aaron Rodgers Zen right here. Okay, it is all a matter of perspective. Okay, we're looking at this game with the ugh. well. Let's not judge a book by its cover. We've had entertaining games in the past between average to mediocre to crappy football teams. It's happened. It's happened before. And the one I can think of off the top of my head, 2013, two non-playoff teams. It was the Minnesota Vikings, the Baltimore Ravens. It was a very interesting game. The fourth quarter was nuts. If you haven't seen it, go on YouTube and watch it. It was like, there was like five touchdowns in like two minutes. It was crazy. Let's be positive. The power of positive thinking, folks. Let's come into this game with a positive viewpoint, a positive attitude, and we may get a good football game. The NFL is the king of television, by the way. We may get a good product on our TVs or on our phones, wherever you're watching the game, we may get a pretty decent game tonight. Let's cross our fingers. Let's cross our fingers. We'll see. But I'll react to, to uh, tonight's game tomorrow, and, 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 and obviously if there's any other topics going on in the world of sports, I'll touch on those. But at the end of the show, it's my favorite thing to do every week. I will predict week six in the NFL. Also talk a little college football, by the way, because this is the biggest weekend easily of the college football season. With I mean, the it's, I think... I think it's the most ranked teams that have played one another all season long. Of course, the headline act being the Alabama Crimson Tide and my University of Tennessee volunteers Saturday afternoon at 3.30 Eastern on CBS. Cannot wait to end the streak and beat the Tide for the first time since I was three years old. So I'll talk some college football. I'll do my NFL predictions for week 
Uh, six, of course, the headline act in that regard is Bill's Chiefs, the rematch of that crazy game from last year. Of course, you've got Dallas and Philadelphia. That's an interesting game. you got some other games in between there that are they're fascinating to look at. So I will predict those on tomorrow's show as well. So enjoy your night, everybody. Ha- hope everybody has a great evening. Uh, be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe to the Carving Up Podcast right here on YouTube and to the Grid Network. Search the Grid Network, G-R-Y-D, Grid Network, the Grid Network on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel there. I'm a part of the podcasting network there. Go check out my other guys' shows over there as well. And listen to the Carving Up podcast on the Grid Network, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, everywhere, everywhere. Carving Up's everywhere on the Grid Network. So check it out. So hope everybody has a great evening. Continue to stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. Let's go balls. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.